You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So, if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Monster House presents... Monster Talk is an independent podcast production of Monster House, LLC. You can show your support by subscribing to our ad-free extended episodes at patreon.com forward slash monster talk. We want to grow our monster talk audience, and the easiest way to accomplish that is for listeners to leave us five-star reviews on iTunes. Positive reviews have a huge impact and only take a moment. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Good grief, 2020 is a weird year. It's like the whole world got that fortune cookie that reads, May you live in interesting times. Karen and I are hoping that you're managing to stay safe and healthy and are finding the resources you need if you're struggling. Hang in there. It's hard for me to believe it myself sometimes, but things will get better. This is a fun interview Karen and I managed to get with a Canadian professor who's decided to start doing research on ghosts from within the academic field of sociology. He's just getting started, but listener Patty Mascaro alerted us to his research, and we were delighted to sit down with him to discuss it. We've been continuing to record our Sunday evening Monster Talk Live episodes, which you can check out at youtube.com forward slash Monster Talk Podcast. And I have been terrible at getting them into the regular feed, and I apologize for that. It's not out of laziness, just a lack of enough hours but I am working on some personal time management steps that should let me squeeze a few more hours out of each week. Thank you so much for your support and your patience. By the way, 
please take a moment if you have time and subscribe to our YouTube feed. We're trying to get to a thousand subscribers and we have some more fun video content that we started working on. Your liking and subscribing to our feed is a big help. Also, another apology, my audio in this episode is weird and sounds like I'm broadcasting from an AM radio in some yellow 1973 Delta 88. I, I apologize. I, I'm sorry about that. I do have some great audio equipment, but I had to use inferior gear for this one, and sadly it sounds far worse in the recorded form than it did during the call. It's easy enough to understand all the words, but I understand that it will annoy some of our audiophile listeners. A special thanks to Sean Park for helping edit this episode. Okay, let's get on to some Monster Talk. All right, welcome to Monster Talk. Today we're talking with Dr. David Aveline, Associate Professor of Sociology at the Mount Royal University. Is it Mount Royal or Mount Royal? Mount Royal. Mount Royal University. No, no, E. There's no E. On this side of Canada. In deference to other pronunciations or pronunciations or pronouncements. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The Associate Professor of Sociology at the Mount Royal University in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Now, I know that you are studying uh, sociology and teaching sociology and that at least some part of that is the study of monsters and the paranormal. I think that falls within sociology to some extent. It can. It can. Right, right. It's it's certainly not a key focus, but I know uh, over the course of 10 years of doing the show, we've run into a lot of sociologists who are interested in that aspect of human behavior. But how, how did you come to get involved in the sort of paranormal side of this research? Well, I don't know. It's a bit of a mystery to me because um, uh, I got my uh, PhD when I was 50, uh, which is uh, almost 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, I was studying, I, I, I majored in uh, human sexuality. So I was studying human sexuality for, uh, you know, for. 15 years or so, and um, I kind of got tired of that, so I was looking for something new, but um, I've always been interested in uh, paranormal beliefs, Um, so I just, you know, put sexuality on the shelf entirely and uh, went out, got a a small grant, and then traveled across Canada in four major cities, uh, interviewing people who believe they have seen ghosts. Now, I will say that uh, I come from the point of view of a skeptic, right? That, that uh, I like I like evidence. If, I th- if I'm going to define things as real, then I like to see evidence of it. Um, but uh, that really is irrelevant because it's not whether I believe in ghosts, it's whether they believe in ghosts. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a uh, 1920s sociologist named uh, W.Y. Thomas, and he says that if things are defined as real, they are real in their consequences. So I basically found a lot of people who sincerely believe that they have seen a ghost, being touched by a ghost, smelled a ghost, heard a ghost, uh, you know, everything but tasted a ghost, if we're looking at the five senses, right? <laughs> you know, and, and a lot of people, you know, they are real in their consequences of them because a lot of people are troubled. Um, some people are even comforted uh, the fact that uh, the ghost of their dead husband, uh, you know, appeared in a window to say goodbye to them. Or, you know, in another case, uh, there was two, um, um, a brother and a sister-in-law, and they appeared in two windows on the bedroom, uh, bedroom wall uh, to say that they're all right. You know, but a lot of people, you know, live with ghosts. Uh, you know, they see them every day. And everything, and I found this rather fascinating. Um, but you know, uh, from a from a skeptic's point of view, 
I was I, I went to this rather naively uh, that I said to myself, well, you know, uh, the existence of ghosts is irrelevant in matters whether they believe them or not. But, um, you know, people were telling me things and my mind was immediately going towards logical explanations. For example, somebody said, I woke up in the middle of the night and I had a feeling of somebody holding me down and then my coat turned into a little girl that came toward me. Um, so when I heard that, I immediately thought of, uh, you know, sleep paralysis, uh, night terrors, parasomnia, and this sort of thing. But um, when I did this, uh, I felt rather guilty. You know, I, I, I sort of questioned myself and said, you know, who am I? Uh, who am I to sort of say what was really going on here, uh, especially when I wasn't there? But I felt that, uh, you know, my private thoughts were betraying the people I was talking to. So what I did was uh, I just I just tried to put that aside completely, uh, bracket it off, uh, and, uh, you know, listen to uh, what the people were telling me uh, about their beliefs. That went to step two. Um, you know, and that was all right when you could bracket off uh, logical explanations, but uh, there were some stories that there are no logical explanations to bracket off. Um, people were telling me things that, you know, to me are, to me were uh, against the laws of physics, physically impossible, against the laws of nature. Um, one person told me that he called out a ghost from behind the bed, uh, and the ghost appeared and he said, you must go, and uh, the ghost shook his head no. But then he prayed to the angel Gabriel, and the angel Gabriel, who was 10 feet tall, came down, talked to him, and convinced him to go. He, you know, he descended from the ceiling, uh, then wrapped him in his wings and took him up through the ceiling again in a cloud of smoke. And so, you know, that was one story that I heard. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, okay, I'm going to bracket off logical explanations, but here there's absolutely no logical explanations to, uh, you know, uh, bracket off. It's absolutely fantastic story. And, uh, you know, these are very sincere people. Um, most of the people, uh, actually the majority of people I talked to had some college uh, and um, 14 out of 38 of them uh, had a college degree or higher. Um, I spoke to a doctor, a police officer, uh, a nurse, a journalist. Uh, you know, and these are people who have been trained in empirical observation as well. So it's not as I, you know, uh, as if people were, uh, you know, telling me funny stories or something for their own amusement. You know, they sincerely believed what they were saying. Yeah, actually, you know, we've been doing Monster Talk for about 10 years. And I think when we started out, I, we probably were a little closer to trying to debunk some of the classic stories or, you know, find out more about what was going on. But over the course of that time, um, we've come to have a lot of empathy for people reporting the weird because – as you say, a lot of these stories can't really be disproven or proven. They're just anecdotes in a sense. But but, exactly. you, but you start to have a lot of empathy for people because whether they're real or not, these are these are experiences the humans are having. And, and, and as we're all humans, having empathy, I think, and trying to understand how these stories influence their lives has been really important to, a, I guess, a shift in how we cover the material. You know, I, I think reducing fear is important, like, Yes. A lot of the stories we look at, we want people to know, don't worry about this so much, you know. But some of the things people experience can be quite terrifying. 
Yeah, you know, surprisingly, many people told me uh, that they weren't scared. You know, and I'm thinking, well, you know, if a ghost appeared in my bedroom in the middle of the night, uh, you know, I would be on the ceiling. Uh, you know, if that <laughs> happened, uh, seriously. But uh, they weren't scared. Uh, they were comforted. You know, sometimes it was a grandmother sitting on the edge of the bed or a mother, uh, very often a relative. Um, but the important thing is, uh, as, as you know, as you say, Blake, they uh, sincerely believe uh, that these uh, experiences are real. And uh, that's really all that matters to me in that sense, uh, right? You know, I mean, um, I'm not going. I'm not going out trying to debunk things like uh, you know, uh, like somebody in the um, you know in Victorian era looking at mesmerists and things like that or table wrappers. Uh, I'm just a sociologist looking at people's beliefs, and I. It opened my eyes. It opened my eyes that there were uh, some fantastic beliefs out there. It's quite amazing, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you could uh, educate me on that. <laughs> well, I think David, in in the past ten minutes, you have answered every single question that we've written already. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, what are we talking about? Now? But uh, we'll, we'll go into further detail and just drill sure. down further into some of these topics. And uh, you've spoken about some of the, the categories or types of paranormal encounters that people have reported. Uh, why do you think these experiences are, are common? Uh, you know, why is it that you see time and time again that people have had these bereavement hallucinations where uh, someone, a loved one has died and then they see that person uh, a manifestation of them or out of the corner of their, their eye or something like that. Uh, and then other people see demons or other people see shadow people. Why do you think that these experiences are, are, are common? I would love to blame the absolute explosion of uh, paranormal media phenomena these days. Uh, you know, if you if you try and count the number of uh, ghost uh, hunting shows on, on uh, television, uh, there seems to be like 12, 18, 20 going at the same time. And, you know, it's amazing, ghost hunters. Also, uh, I think that um, ghost stories have been around in folklore for thousands of years. But... I think the main thing is that, uh, you know, we are trusting of our own personal experience. Um, now, you know, if you're looking at empiricism, empiricism says that uh, we're not going to have confidence in anything unless we can reproduce it. Uh, if I see a ghost, that's very nice. But uh, unless I can uh, have you come there and see the same ghost and then have a bunch of other people, then it becomes anecdotal, right? Um, right. People trust their own experience. Um, I, I did ask people, for example, you know that science says ghosts exist. How do you answer that? And most of the answers, of, you know, were something to the nature of, um, well, they have their opinion and I have mine. You know, uh, I've seen the ghost, therefore the ghost is real. And I think again, it's, it's trust in one's, uh, you know, in one's own uh, perceptions. But at the same time. A lot of people said, I saw the ghost in my mind. I saw the ghost out of the corner of my eye. A lot of corner of my eye uh, sightings, for example. You know, more, more so corner of eye than full-on sightings. You know, there it is right in front of me. But, um, you know, I think, um, well, first of all, we trust our own perceptions. But, um, 
you know, very often our, our, our perceptions are biased to, you know, to our own biographies uh, and our own beliefs and this sort of thing. I mean, one of the million-dollar questions is uh, why do people believe in God when, uh, you know, there's no empirical evidence? Uh, I don't know if that will get me in trouble. Uh, uh, you know, the answer, well, you'll, the answer, you'll, you'll find out when you die, I think. Is that the answer? <laughs> <laughs> the answer to that is right? When I was reading about your study, I think I read, correct me if I'm wrong, that part of what you're doing right now is trying to classify the stories. What kind of, if, if that's right, what kind of classifications are you looking at? Well, I'm right, uh, right now I'm in the uh, coding phase, which means I read the interviews and every time something relevant comes out, like, uh, you know, appearance, you know, I will code appearance. Um, so I don't know if I have an answer to that yet. But, uh, you know, I will, you know, I will uh, come out with it. Are you looking at something like a, like a folklore motif kind of coding? Is that, or like, are you looking for like full bodied apparition versus, uh, you know, oh, yeah. the sensation or, you know. I mean, that's the, that's the quantitative part of it. You know, how many ghosts were male, how many were female, how many were relatives, how many were strangers, um, how many were attached to a house and how many just sort of were floating around uh, sort of thing. Why were they here? What was the reason of it? Um, you know, and that, that those are the sort of questions I'm looking at right now, but it's sort of like, you know, um, I have 38 interviews, uh, several hundred pages, and it's a giant jigsaw puzzle. Uh, so I'm taking them and sorting them into all sorts of categories here. Well, one of them is counting the number of ghosts. And I think I've got about 300, uh, 300 ghosts. And that comes from uh, 38 interviews and 24 uh, stories that were sent to me through email. You know, people that be interviewed. Uh, so, you know, there's quite a few ghosts. And some of them, like some, you know, one guy saw a man walking around with his head, you know, a dead soldier, uh, for example. Um, a lot of children, uh, I found, children who don't know they're dead and they, they want to play. Uh, these are ghosts, you know, that want to play. And when you don't want to play with them, they get mad. A lot of pets... Uh, you know, your your beloved uh, cat or your beloved dog. And surprisingly, a lot of people have said that pets, your dog, uh, is going to sense the ghost before you do. You know, so, you, you know, you'd be sitting on the couch and then suddenly, roof, 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 you know, and dog is like looking at the, uh, the foot of the stairs, for example, and then suddenly an apparition appears later. So that's, that's funny. That's quite eerie. Oh, it is. I, I had a, a haunting experience myself before I became a hardcore skeptic. And um, one of the things I did was got a dog because I knew from folklore that dogs could see the paranormal. And uh, now um, I've come to believe that pets are idiots. But that's a, that's a big transition. <laughs> <laughs> so with your, your subjects, did you find that uh, they were reluctant to share their stories, that they thought that you wouldn't believe them or that other people had not believed their stories in the past? There were a few statements like, you must think I'm a crazy person telling you this. But, uh, you know, generally, I mean, first of all, I was very impressed with the people, you know, a police officer, a doctor, a journalist. You know, um, these were very, very rational people. 
uh, sitting down uh, in various places, usually a coffee shop, uh, you know, with my tape recorder on. You know, but I found that they were uh, very anxious to talk to me. Um, finally, somebody is looking at this sort of stuff. You know, some of them said, I got, I, I got uh, people mostly through Craigslist. Uh, I know Craigslist has a bad reputation for various reasons, but, you know, know, in the volunteer section, for example, uh, you know, if you put ads in there looking for people uh, to interview, uh, that's how I got uh, a lot of people in that way. But they were, you know, oh, my God, you know, finally somebody is looking at this. Do I have a story for you? (laughs) And there are people who had experienced ghosts since they were four years old right down to couple of people that uh you know you know one man in his 50s never seen a ghost before suddenly there's one you know uh you know, right in front of him even talking to him you know and uh so so that's 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 interesting you have people all their lives and then people like once and never again uh kind of thing those once and never again experiences are, i think are quite interesting well, I noticed you, you said that uh, like you had interviewed um, how many people? Thirty-four, and then thirty-eight, and then you got uh, more than twenty additional write-ins. But from that, that yeah. you got more than three hundred ghosts reported. That's yeah. So, exactly. like, that's exactly. that's uh, I don't know what that is. Polyapparitional. I don't. That's like that's what's going. What's going? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'll use that. <laughs> it's like it seems like some people get no ghosts, and some people get uh, more than their fair share. Well, I you know not only talked to shall we say regular people, but I also talked to there were eight people who defined themselves as what they called sensitives. Um, you know that they have the ability to sense these things, and you know I would say, well, geez, uh, you're lucky. Um, I don't have them, and they, the answer is, well, you have to open your mind, uh, kind of thing. Sensitives, um, some in, uh, couple of spiritual leaders, uh, indigenous spiritual leaders, um, and uh, a, um, a paranormal investigation group uh, I interviewed one Sydney. Um, so I got the gamut of it. One clairvoyant who made her living uh, from her... Uh, you know, from her ability to see ghosts and, uh, you know, uh, people and everything else. But um, anyway, uh, what was the question? Oh, I, I was just wondering, <laughs> like, why such a small population would have such an excessive amount of reporting. And I wonder if that says something about, well, as you say, if they if they say the they're sensitive. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Believing. So, uh-huh. so uh-huh. I mean, uh, I... I've had some weird experiences myself, but uh-huh. me too. And we've always explained yeah. the way. And and uh, I mean, we we look really we look at the the paranormal as more of a perspective uh, that you, if you are a believer, you can have paranormal like experiences. But if you're a believer, you're going to interpret those as being paranormal. If you're more skeptically inclined, then you're going to look for natural explanations for yeah, what's it's happened. A blue dress, gold dress. Yeah. Well, an example of that, uh, when I was 24, my grandmother died. Uh, she was in the hospital. And I remember, you know, feeling very cold in my bed, uh, like a sudden, you know, the temperature dropped in the room. Uh, and then there was the phone call to tell us that she died. 
Now, that can be interpreted in many ways. Uh, you know, um, if I were a believer, I would, uh, you know, I would interpret that as, you know, she has, um, you know, uh, passing by to say goodbye, for example. But as a non-believer, uh, I've just interpreted as um, you know, changes in my body for some reason because I was stressed. Uh, you know, so we can look at it both ways, uh, you know, depending upon our beliefs, uh, if you like. Yeah, we, we do a lot of work around like reading about memory and, and how memories change over time, too. And it's I, I know even from my own experience, I think about 10 years after my experiences, I wrote them down. And then about 10 years later, I went back and revisited. And even then, my memories had changed. I mean, there was still the core was there. But the order in which things happened had changed. Lots of little details had, had, had morphed over time. It's just really hard to keep an mm -hmm. accurate memory. Memory's not – it's constantly being reformed. Exactly. Well, exactly. I think there's a question in that too. Were a lot of these stories recent or were these experiences that had taken place some time ago or was it just a, a mix and combination of both? Both. Uh, there was a you – know, there were several people. I couldn't tell you how many but uh, quite a few – uh, who always remembered uh, that they had seen ghosts. Um, now, it's interesting, you know, the typical story I heard was, you know, I was four years old and I was sitting in the closet and a man was sitting beside me. And I thought, okay, and I started talking to him and, uh, you know, and he talked back and, uh, and um, you know, that sort of thing. But if you're four years old, um, you don't say, you know, holy crap, there's a man beside me. You know, you just sort of accept uh, your environment um, as, as a given. So you don't mm -hmm. know the difference between reality and non-reality. So, you know, um, some people have had it all their lives. And again, one time only. Um, but, um, you know, the ones who had had it all their lives, they uh, some of them did mention that their parents also believed in ghosts and had seen uh, seen ghosts, and uh, there were they had been raised with ghosts in the house. You know, if they lived in an old farmhouse in uh, Ontario or something like that. You know, so uh, you know, uh, I think um, background makes quite a difference. Right. Yeah. So you think that there's a kind of socialization aspect where if someone's raised in a maybe a religious household or yes. a household of believers that's going to affect them possibly for yes. their whole lives exactly exactly although that, that's actually it, this reminds me a little bit of the bigfoot field research organization the bfro has a huge database of people reporting bigfoot stories Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to talk to uh, Bigfoot sighted people. Yeah, like, yeah. No, next project. Yeah, well, I, yes, I, wonderful. <laughs> next project. Yes. Well, the the interesting thing about that, their their database is, um, as a person who works with data for my day job, I, I find it uh, problematic. Like, there's there's classifications of you know how it, almost like the close encounters, the first kind, second kind, third kind, that kind of way. But there's there's also the factor that some of the most impressive sightings happen the furthest back in time from when they were reported, uh -huh. and that dimension of how long ago these experiences happened make them almost impossible to go research. That the you know there, you can't go back and recreate that moment because it wasn't last week; it was three decades ago. Right. Well, two people, uh, as I was interviewing them, saw a ghost. 
as I was interviewing them. As you were in, while you were talking to them. While we were talking, one said, "There's a man behind you." You know, this isn't a coffee <laughs> shop. Uh, I looked around; I couldn't see a man. Uh, I said, "Well, I can't see him. He's there. He's wearing a black hat." Nobody there. Nobody there. Uh, okay, and this uh, this one person defined herself as uh, as a sensitive. Um, another person told me that there is an angel hovering around on my left shoulder, and that she has always been there, uh, and I couldn't see uh, as well. So, um, but getting back to uh, you know you know time, I think if you can really relate the story that happened 10, 12 years ago, it must have left a very deep impression on you that you have never forgotten it. Uh, so, you know, there's there's probably a distortion over time, but at the same time, uh, it's imprinted on the memory uh, because it's not forgotten and it's uh, somehow considered a significant uh, experience. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, consciousness, philosophy, UFOs, ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing. And I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audio book. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand and probably won't understand. That's our whole show. (laughs) So join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. Um, I was told, by the way, that I'm going to live to 88 years old. Uh, so that put a spring in my step. Nice. <laughs> I've, got, I've, got another, I've got another 20 years to go. So. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I don't want to say that, that just because the memories aren't reliable that they never happen, because that's not what I mean. I, I just mean that yeah. the, the significance oh, can be there, no. the importance can be there. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the details can change. And... Yeah, and, and if if there's nothing more to the story than I saw this person or I saw this figure, you know, maybe it doesn't matter if the memories are fairly mutable. I mean, it's not like you get to falsify the story because they said there was a hat, and now there's no hat when they retell it 20 years later. You know what I mean? Like the, those those the details are going to be malleable in any story. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But I think we do, you know, we do like to find out if possible whether there's anything to the ghosts. Like, do the ghosts only come from us? Or do the ghosts have some real, you know, corporeal or, or like some basis in reality, you know? Yeah, that, that's interesting. That That's an interesting philosophical question. Um, 
It reminds me of, like, first of all, where the ghosts come from. And a lot of people talk about the veil. Um, now, what is the veil? You know, it's, it, it almost seems like it's a curtain somewhere that you go in and out of, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, it doesn't seem to have uh, a definite place uh, or anything else. It's just sort of something that exists over and above us in supernature that uh, you go through and you don't go through, or you, or you don't go through, like a different dimension uh, kind of thing. I like your question, though, um, of um, do the ghosts come from us or do they or do they exist sui, sui generis by themselves? Um, I think they would certainly come from us, uh, you know, come from our experiences. But, um, you know, we interpret our experiences, in, you know, in, in numerous different ways. You know, um, if I got bumps in the night in my house, I might define it as, oh, damn, I need to call a plumber. Uh, other people might uh, be terribly scared that there's a ghost in their house. You know, um, that uh, is a matter of uh, background, it's a matter of uh, the way we process information. Perhaps it's uh, a matter of wishful thinking. It depends. There's just so many, so many factors there. Ultimately, you know, since we are the interpreters of our own experience, the ghost would come from us. And I should mention at this point, too, that uh, one of our listeners actually introduced us to you, and that's uh, Patty Mascaro. I believe yes. she's a colleague of yours from the university. Yes, exactly. Yes. And uh, I yeah, she. Her, but I'm very grateful to her. Yes, yes, we're very grateful, too. And she sent us an article uh, in which you'd been interviewed by the, the university about your work. Yes. And yes. one of the things that you'd said is that you wanted to find out what people believe and also how that affects their lives. So how did these paranormal experiences affect people's lives, and, and why is this important for, for them? In all sorts of ways. Um, first of all, looking at the sensitives, there were uh, a couple of them, that, um, actually three or four of them, that said uh, you know, things to the nature of, this is really unpleasant, I wish I didn't have it. Um, you know, one person uh, said that um, he feels pain when people die before they die. Uh, you know, so he knows that they, somebody is going to die somewhere. Another person said, you know, I can't be in public. You know, I'm on the bus and I can feel everybody's emotions. Uh, and wow. I can feel, yeah. Well, that must be, this is the luckiest time for them in the world. They can't be out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've absolutely heard of stories like this before with people talking about, oh, when I'm around other people, I can feel the, the headache that the person next to me has, or uh, if someone's got a cold, I can I can sense that. So yeah, I've definitely heard of these empath types. Well, and, and you're, 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 you have empathy towards, or you have that empathic response to parasite stories. So if I started talking about mites my, uh, digging <laughs> under my skin, why, I bet you'd I'm, start itching right now. Getting itchy. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe it's being psychosomatic. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of stories about uh, you know, and if you you know, again, if you're a sensitive, um, you can't be in a. They, they said, well, I can't be in a hospital. Why? Because you know, thousands and thousands of people have died in a hospital, especially if it's like a hundred years old, uh, and I can feel the energy. Energy was was a big word uh, for a lot of people. They didn't actually see a ghost, but they walked into a room, and oh my God, this is just really bad energy. 
and I had to get out of there. Uh, I couldn't stay in this room because there was bad energy. Uh, so that happened quite a bit. You know, that's really interesting to me. The the um, you know, physics has a meaning for energy that's very specific, yes. and and it's really easy for skeptics to get really smug and say, well, that's not what energy means. Energy means this other thing. But mm-hmm. I, I I think as someone who has um, uh, you know, I was a teenager once. I had dates. Um, and I remember what it was like to date someone who sucked the energy out of your life. And so when I hear people talk about psychic <laughs> vampires and that sort of thing, yeah. like I, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, I don't think they're paranormal, but I know what they mean. Like I'm very sympathetic yeah. uh, to the idea that, that there's a concept of energy. Yeah. There's definitely a, a layperson uh, sense of, of energy and all of these other terms too, even like vibrations, a lot of those terms of have just been uh, have evolved different meanings uh, yeah. and usage just among the public. There's a colloquial meaning which is is real enough, you know, and, and that vibe, you know, um, the, whether it's a psychic, you know, impact without 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 granting the existence of psychic powers. I am aware that there's a dimension of human psychology where you are impacted by place and by circumstance. Yeah. 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 So I just want to throw that out there because skeptics get a bad rap for being um, uh, reductionist. And I, you know, I don't think we all are. So. I I know. Actually, I just wrote that down. Uh, What is energy? Question mark. You know, Um, because um, I don't they're not meaning it in the physics sense. Right. Uh, Right. Something that you can measure. Although. You know, there are devices that, uh, you know, that um, paranormal investigators use. I forgot the name of them. A, um, oh, uh, yeah. We're, yeah, we're very well versed in those things like EMF readers and K2 meters. And, yeah, we've done a lot of shows on ghost hunting. <laughs> yes. Okay. There we go. Exactly. Our, our listeners will know what you're talking about. Yeah. And and, and I, I, we, we've come to the conclusion, I think, that those devices don't translate – to actually recognize the sort of colloquial version, right? So the feelings of energy or whatever that is that you feel when you walk into a like going into an old asylum, for example, uh, you know, right. yeah, there there's something to that, and you can you can preload oh, it a with mood story. or a yeah. sense or yeah, some exactly. kind of you can uh, be primed with stories. That people get. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's so much going on there, but that's not going to show up on any meter. Another interesting thing is that uh, I've come across three people that, that met a person and thought this person was a real person, but this person then turned out to be a ghost. Um, there's a, I don't know how well you know this part of uh, Canada, but um, there's this wonderful uh, place about 80 miles from here called Banff. Uh, Banff is like this wonderful wilderness with this old grand hotel and um, in there, there's uh, quite a famous ghost called Jimmy the Bellhop. And uh, he appears sometimes. But uh, one guy told me he was in, in an elevator uh, in, in, the, in this uh, Bath Springs Hotel. And, uh, you know, there was a small, decrepit old bellhop who was running the elevator. And he was insulting and everything. And then uh, he just got out of the elevator on the next floor turned around and disappeared and the man followed him out and there were no doors or anything for him to have gone through. Uh, he just turned left and he was gone. Another people, another woman saw, you know, met uh, two men, both took her, 
they took her in each hat they took each of her hands side by side uh told her she was a wonderful person and then turned around the corner and disappeared again that's really interesting that you see real people who are actually ghosts you know it's um Perhaps there might be a logical explanation for them, you know, maybe. Um, yeah, but... Um, That's the, the Banff Springs Hotel, B-A-N-F-F. Is that where yeah. yeah, that is a gorgeous place. I've always wanted to go there. Me uh, too, yeah, yes. It's, it's so spectacular. It looks very gothic. Oh, it does. You know, come up here and I'll, I'll show you around. Well, that is my to. that's my end game, man. <laughs> Get to yeah. Canada. So with the, with the, the Jimmy, uh, the bellhop story, was there any follow up to that? Because that was sounding a little bit to me like an urban legend that we've spoken about before, the Lord Dufferin story. Mm-hmm. Like, Quite similar, yeah. Well, I, I, did actually, I did actually call the hotel and uh, haven't gotten around to go visiting them yet, talking about it. But um, you know, they uh, they do say yes, it's stories and a lot of uh, you know a lot of. Uh, um, guests over the years have, um, you know, said that uh, they've seen him. Uh, there's another hotel uh, where I, I won't say the city; it's in Canada. Um, you know, but uh, you know, there's a, the bride. You know, and she basically goes around and she comes back once a year on the anniversary of uh, the day her husband was shot a hundred years ago. People have seen her, and there's one room that people have come screaming out of. But at the same time, you got to figure it's to the advantage of a hotel to play up its own ghost stories, right? Uh, yes. Because that's their business. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've been counting that a lot. Yeah, I'm in that city. I'm, I'm going to ask for that room. Oh <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. That's that's. I think you know, my experience uh, staying at uh, the Stanley was they were definitely leaning in on the paranormal stuff, uh, and that's the hotel that was the basis of The Shining. Oh, right. Oh, exactly. Yeah, they, they definitely do not like uh, skeptics. My husband does similar work to me, and he was banished or basically not allowed to come back to the hotel because he'd oh, uh, debunked some of the stories that had taken place there. Uh, ghost hunters had gone there and had a number of things apparently happen to them, and so he explained what could have possibly happened. Well, he actually had uh, had it on information from the, the actual people who were there that uh, these were just tricks and these were just natural, naturally occurring things. And uh, so, yeah, he they said, please don't come back. Wait a minute. So if I go to check in at the Stanley, they'll first, if they find out I'm a skeptic, they'll do a banished check? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like a private joke. Because, you know, they will weed out what's uh, supposedly real or what can't be disproven and what can be disproven. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but next time I'm at the, in that city, uh, I will go to that hotel and I'll, I'll ask for that room, but I won't stay alone. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> I, you know, well, I'm, I think, I'm not too far from the Stanley, so we'll, we'll have to catch up if you if you uh, come to Colorado. Where is the Stanley? Is it in Colorado? Yeah, Estes Park. Yeah, Estes Park. So it's about about an hour and a half away from Denver. Oh, lovely! lovely. Such a such a beautiful little valley. It's it is so pretty. And it's right at the entrance to the sort of Rocky Mountain Park. But you'd probably have to we book could... about two or three years ahead to get the the haunted rooms there. Yeah. And they're, they're very expensive, about $500 a night. Well, we can claim Brokeback Mountain, filmed about 30 miles out of Calgary. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah the, 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 uh, the, the, the ghosts in the regular rooms are not as posh, I guess. That's... <laughs> 
Yeah. Yes, exactly. But, you know, there was a story of a government official that was in there uh, quite high up, not not the prime minister, but somebody else, and they ran out of the room screaming, uh, (laughs) as it were. Uh, So I don't know. I don't know. as I say, you know, I mean, if I did see a ghost, uh, I would believe. Uh, that's it's as simple as that. But other, otherwise, I think I've um, quite successfully taken the question of whether ghosts actually exist or not, and you know, thrown it aside. I think you have to. So, w- when you approach these, you can't talked about this a little bit in the intro, but when you when you approach this, is uh, you're a sociologist, you're a skeptic, and you're you're approaching these. When you're listening to the stories, like how are you capturing them, and and are you trying to remain neutral while you listen, and then like you do your like critical evaluation later, or what what what's your approach there? Like what is your note taking like? Like what's it like to be a sociologist researcher of this topic? Oh, actually, actually, I enjoy interviewing. You know, it's a, it's a very social thing. You know, you're sitting down with somebody, you turn on your tape recorder, uh, which is out of an iPhone these days, and they're hundred times better than uh, the old tape recorders. Uh, they'll pick up an elephant uh, a mile away. Or, or uh, yeah, or uh, ghost material. What do they call that? Uh, it's not, Eki wants the EMF. That's not right. It's uh, uh, oh, uh, EVPs. EVPs. Oh, my God. Voice Electronic yeah, voice phenomena. Right. Woo! Yeah, I mean, but anyway, so I interview them, uh, transcribe the interview uh, as verbatim as possible, and then you start reading it and you start picking out uh, what's interesting. Uh, so, and again, you know, you put the 38 interviews together in several other pages, it's a jigsaw puzzle. You know, it's almost like you're taking a pair of scissors and cutting out things and putting them in piles. And, uh, so then you found, you know, you've got like 18 incidences where people said that and 24 incidents where people said that only two where they said that, and then you sort of take it from there. Well, my my uh, my approach to this is uh, is grounded theory. Uh, what that simply means is that you walk into the field with as few in, as few assumptions as you possibly can, and you build your theory inductively from the data. So, I'm in that process right now, and um, so I guess that's why I'm you know not being terribly theoretical. I'm thinking right now, but. Um, if you come and see me next year, maybe I'll maybe I'll be able to dazzle you. Who knows? Well, yeah, we would love to. Yeah, we'd love some follow up on this. I, I think one of the things I've noticed is, you know, a lot of the people who do research into these sort of fringe topics are not formally trained researchers. They're amateur researchers with a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, that is true. Yeah. Like uh, exactly. But they don't. They they sometimes do a filtering on the material. What I'm thinking about is there's been lots of times in cryptozoology where people are trying to get Bigfoot stories, and then the people reporting will say, oh, and also I saw a UFO, and they won't include that in their research. Or the UFO people will say, and I saw a Bigfoot, and they won't – like just a small number of researchers like said, well, you know, there's some – if you actually listen to these people, there's some crossover material, and it wasn't really part of my research, but it's interesting, and if you collect it – it might say something. It might be important. I don't know. It's, but th- there is a filtering going on as this stuff gets reported. Or a bias. Um, you know, not to uh, speak very much about uh, American politics, if you like, but uh, you know, there are certain news stations in the United States and certain reporters uh, that will um, you know, horribly, horribly bias uh, you know, reality. 
people will listen to this news station and, uh, you know, uh, and they'll think about it. But the very same way, you know, um, if you go out to prove the existence of ghosts and, you know, and talk to people, well, you know, you can't draw your conclusions before you do your research. Uh, that's like the, the prime directive in, uh, in any of the social sciences, you know. Your conclusions come after the research, not before. I'll leave American <laughs> politics out of it. So with your research, have you uh, come up with any statistics for how common belief is? And, and, you know, I guess we could break that down too. How many people have, what percentage of people have seen a ghost or what percentage of people believe in the paranormal in general? Do you have any, did you develop any statistics on that? I wish I, I, wish I had that information. You know, that there are... There are no studies that I know of in Canada that uh, have been general surveys. Um, I can tell you, I mean, there, there's several studies in the United States, just have them written down here. I mean, there's the Chapman University uh, uh, survey, for example, uh, and they say that 58% of Americans believe that a place can be haunted. There's also a Pew Research Center uh, poll uh, that says 18% of Americans believe they have been in the presence of a ghost. So, you know, I mean, Canada, I think, would be probably quite similar because there are similarities in the culture. But, uh, you know, so I think we can go with um, 18%, you know, given the data, 18 20%. So you know. studies that, that say anything from around that figure through to maybe 75%, and I guess it depends on on the study and the time, but I would uh, think that it would be higher than 18%. A lot of people certainly in the general public seem to believe in ghosts and the supernatural. Well, don't, don't forget, this is 18% believe they've been in the presence of a ghost. Right, uh, right, right. And the whole bunch of people haven't had that opportunity yet, so to speak. But uh, Chapman <laughs> University puts it at 58%. It's, be it's because all these other guys are hoarding all the ghosts. That's what's going on. Yeah, but 338. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but, you, know, uh, you know, in thinking, it's very, very comforting to, uh, you know, believe in the existence of ghosts, I would think. Uh, because, you know, all of your loved ones are going to be there. It's It would be very comforting to believe in heaven. Because when you die, you know, you're going to mm -hmm. see somebody that you love. And presumably, uh, not every everybody that you didn't get along with in life, uh, kind of thing. So <laughs> it's almost envious, uh, you know. For, uh, it's you know, I almost have envy of people who do firmly have these beliefs because mm -hmm. they can be comforting, but at the same time, they can be terrifying. Particularly if you feel that you have a malevolent ghost around you, and I've had a couple of cases of that. You know, ghost that you know was there in the house. And it refuses to leave, you know, and they call in a spiritual leader, an indigenous spiritual leader, or they call in a priest uh, to bless the house, you know, and no, the damn ghost is still there, you know, it doesn't, won't leave. I'm sure there's lots of ways to slice this up, but I, I can't help but think about it in terms of uh, people who see hauntings as a sort of uh, place and time sort of thing where you know you have recurring phantasms and then the people who see them as grief fanta you know like grief specters yeah. and then the third being the people who see them as this is sort of a spectrum but from spirituality and spiritualism to new age that sort of uh ghosts as a a, a proof of uh that that mainstream religion got it wrong and and the uh -huh. I, I think 
they, they, they're different ways of looking at things. I mean, one's almost like a, a weird phenomena that might not even be a, a, a consciousness. And, and then the other one seems like a message from the other side. And the third one is all over the place. So mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see how you carve this up in your work. So am I, actually. Yes, I mean, <laughs> a lot of work to do. Okay, we make, make as few assumptions as possible. You build up from the data. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. If I were to if I were to sort of characterize that in building a house, uh, I might have the frame up at this point, or the yeah. uh, or perhaps the foundation laid. Yeah. But uh, you know, um, there's no walls up yet. Gotcha. <laughs> and and I'm. We, we, we know there's been a tremendous amount of research in this field uh, from lots of different angles. So I'll be yes, really interested yes. to see where you where you go to to get your influences on your study. This will be really cool. So I like I like the idea our listeners are getting a, a sort of a front side peek at, at where your 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 efforts are going. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were interested to find out what other research workers influenced your study. Surprisingly, from a sociological point of view, there's very, very little research uh, on actual, you know, ghost beliefs, uh, if you like. Psychology has uh, quite a a few research on paranormal phenomena, if you like. But in sociology, it seems to be, you know, only like a handful of people. I've started reading books, uh, but it's very hard to find a legitimate book uh, actually on, uh, you know, on ghost beliefs. Um, A lot of it, you know, if you go to a bookstore, it's like famous ghosts of Canada or or something like that, you know. Oh, yeah. um, each oh, yeah. chapter's yeah. a different ghost. Uh, just, just stories and no analysis. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and they sell. They you know they sell. Quite oh, yep, yep. Yeah. That's what's out there. Well, we could definitely throw you some things that we found helpful if you're interested. So. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. If you can email them to me, I'd uh, you know I'll go out and I'll get them on. Yeah, and and I think in in general that it's from um, the area of psychology. People like Richard Wiseman. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot going. Like, there's the uh, there's understanding ghosts from a uh, experiencer's perspective, from a cultural perspective, from a you know how can I protect myself? There's all kinds of ways of looking at it. And then a skeptical perspective, people like Joe Nickel too. Yeah, absolutely. So it, yeah, we've got lots and of us. references. And us and <laughs> us. Yeah, in ten years of Monster Talk. So yeah. <laughs> And there, you know, there are a number of, uh, you know, there are a number of uh, macro theories within sociology. For example, phenomenology, uh, which talks about uh, the paramount reality versus finite provinces of meaning. Uh, in other words, uh, the reality we li- we live in versus, uh, you know, uh, sub realities that other people live in. Oh, and uh, religious studies has done a lot of work on this too. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't want to leave anybody out because we've talked to so many academics working in this field. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I would be glad to throw stuff your way, and we look forward to seeing what you're able to produce. This would be really cool. Sure. Well, it's been it's been wonderful talking to you both. All right. Well, we are at the end of our our time. All right. David Aveline. Yes, sir. What is your favorite monster? (laughs) (laughs) I've almost forgotten about that. I like uh, I like Spooky and Casper. Do you know the reference? Spooky and Casper. I know Casper the Friendly Casper Ghost. Casper the Ghost, yeah. Casper the Friendly Ghost, but at the same time, 
there's Spooky, uh, who was sort of a street smart ghost. And when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I used to buy these comics all the time. But they always stuck with me. But I don't think they have them anymore. But uh, the Spooky comics... Is this uh, Spooky, the tough little ghost? Yeah, with the, oh. with the bolt hat on and the cigar. Yeah, no, I don't That's know cigar. this. It, it, looks, it looks vaguely familiar. <laughs> I don't know this. Oh, oh, but it was it was part of the new Casper cartoon show from 1963 to 69. So I guess I did see it. Wow! Oh, okay. wow! You know stuff exactly. Smoking ghost. That is really yeah. That's yeah yeah yeah. That I'm sure he's he's cleaned up his act now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then I like I like the rock monster and uh, never ending story. Oh yeah, that's a good oh, nice. one too. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah exactly. Some <laughs> different answers. Yes. That's yeah, he is really cool. Yeah, that's such a that's such an influential film. I I don't know if you watched the TV show or the Netflix show Stranger Things, but um, in the most recent season they had that show, the movie sort of made an appearance. It was really fun I, for people my age. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the eighties. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was. So yeah, that uh, a very uh, fun nostalgia trip there. So it'd be a good place to throw in that music. Um, okay, well. <laughs> We are going to wind up. Uh, David, uh, thank you so much for talking. Thank you so much. That was really interesting. We, we look forward to finding out the results of your, your research. We'll have to have you back on again. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. You've been listening to an interview with Dr. David Abilene of the Mount Royal University in Canada, describing the early stages of his sociological research into ghosts and people who experience them. We hope to hear more about how his research turns out in the future. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. We have links there to our Patreon page, as well as a donation button. Another great way to support the show is to buy books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindles, so we can share our digital libraries with each other. And finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Check out our Monster Talk merchandise at monstertalk.org forward slash store, where you can find a variety of cool products to show that you're a next level monster enthusiast. Monster Talk theme music is by Pete Stealing Monkeys. And thank you again for making time for our show and your busy life.
This has been a Monster House presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.